Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And excited to be here today. Uh, and also, I, I think it's a good thing to be here today. Because um, hopefully we can shine some light. I, I was saying this in our three-minute warm-up to the show, or, or the three-minute opener. Um, I, I would I, I would be surprised if a lot of you out there are not surprised by what you saw markets do this week, aren't sitting there going, maybe you're sitting there thinking, what, where's the recession? This Zach guy's out of his mind. Um, <laughs> but why are stocks going up even though earnings are down? Apple announced another earning, and we'll, we'll get all that in the market update, but but that's going to be really the, the the heart of the market update is explaining what's going on because actually in a perverse way it does make sense the other thing is that if you are bearish the economy and like i said i i, I do not think the calls for the collapse and the you know 0809 here we go again could it turn you yeah i mean you can't say you can't take anything off the table but i just i don't see that um being the case i just i especially with the new stack of interest rates that the Fed has to stimulate, right? Because, and, and, but this is all part, one of the reasons too, why I think the bullish argument is really dumb. Okay. Because as we've seen, if the data, right, for, for, for the much lower interest rates, and, and I'll just tell you right now, you're still looking at a market that when you compare it to interest rates, it doesn't make any sense. And that's not me saying I disagree with it. Now, if you listen to the, if you listen to, and I actually agree with them. If you listen to the interview we did last week, and by the way, if you missed it, go listen to it. It's free. Okay, we talked to Vincent Daniel Porter or uh, Vincent Daniels and Porter Collins, two guys that worked on the hedge fund with Steve Eisman. He, he, he's the real character in the movie The Big Short. Steve Carell played a guy named Mark Baum. In real life, that guy's name is Steve Eisman, and. Porter Collins and Vincent Daniel were the two guys. If you watch the movie, they talk them. They they talk to them. They say their names. They both have speaking roles. Uh, actually, Vincent Daniels is played by the guy um, that plays Kendall on the on the show Succession. J Jeremy Strong, I believe, is his name. I said Irons, and that was obviously wrong uh, a couple weeks back. But go listen to what they said. Porter just said, and 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 it's fascinating that he put it this way. Because in the world of finance, whenever you say a price is wrong, everybody kind of kind of pulls back a little bit because and, and, and the reason Porter said it that way is because he knows what I'm talking about, right? Which is, you know, you may disagree with it, but the price is the price. Well, sometimes the price is wrong. Not usually. Kind of reminds you of Happy Gilmore, right? The price is wrong, Bob. Um, or no. Yeah. That, well, then Bob said a bad word. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but, but you're kind of putting yourself out on a limb, right? Because in the market, it's always, Hey, the price is the price and you want to disagree with the price all you want, but it is what it is. And, and they're right to a certain extent, but there are times where you need to sit back and go, the price is wrong. And I very much see that market like this. Yeah, and when I and, and, and again, I want to reemphasize when I'm saying it doesn't make any sense in relationship to interest rates, um, you know, I'll keep citing it over and over and over, right? Apple is still trading at the highest valuation, right at its highest valuation of this cycle with now a record four quarters of declining revenues. Okay. <laughs> it ain't worth this. And I'm not saying to go short Apple. I'm just saying it, it, it makes no sense. And it makes no sense. One of the ways you look at that is if you've got a stock if you own a company, okay, and let's say that company pays 20 times earnings, all right, and, and or, or excuse me, the, the, the company is valued at 20 times earnings. That means as a shareholder, right, if you pay a dollar or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or a million or a hundred million dollars for the company, 
right? Your profit, that, that company, whatever price you pay, the profit that that company is producing is 5% of that purchase price. Well, why would you take equity risk in an environment like this to buy something? Now, remember, Apple's priced at 30 times earnings. Okay, so that's like getting what? That's like, I mean, don't, somebody out there will check my math, but that's like getting a 3.5% net return, I believe. Okay, and that doesn't take into consideration their debt on their balance sheet. Now, does Apple have any risk? At a, no, I mean, it's a behemoth. But I'm just saying, why would you take market risk, geopolitical risk, economic risk to make 35 4%? People go, what do you mean 35 4%? I own the company. I know, you, you own the stock, but it's a company, right? You are a shareholder. You own a piece of the company. What do you get paid off? If you buy that stock right here, what do you get paid off? And you are earning, the amount of money you are earning as a shareholder is the equivalent of about 35 to 4% of whatever price you pay for the stock. Well, why would you take stock risk when you can get a guaranteed five taking zero risk? Right, that's when I'm, tell, when I'm saying that the price doesn't make sense. I'm not just saying I disagree that it's too expensive. There's math behind this, right? It, fixed income is way less volatile than equities, right? As an asset class, it's safer. And, and we as, right, people that know math and know the world, and <laughs> we, when something is less risky, we will take less money off of it, right? It's like a CD. Will you take 4 or 5% off a CD? Why? Yeah, because it's guaranteed against loss. Okay, let me just tell you this really risky thing, and it's only going to pay you 3 and a half. And you're sitting there going, well, wait a second. If I'm taking that risk, why, I need to be paid more. I got to get compensated for my risk. And so in that way, I think stocks are a little bit like bonds have been for a really long time, right? It, it wasn't always us sitting there saying, hey, bonds are going to collapse. And it was just, hey, rates have to go up at some point. Bonds are going to get killed. Finally, that happened last year and this year. Okay, but the reason we weren't in them was because they were paying you less than the inflation rate. It didn't make any sense. And that's why you wanted to own stocks. Remember that old acronym, TINA, there is no alternative. Now you want to own stocks. Now you look at things, and in my opinion, they're completely reversed. Now I'm looking at the price of these stocks, especially the main indexes. Like I said, I think there's a lot of wonderful things available in the market, if you know where to look, that are ridiculously cheap, that make zero sense. You know, I'm talking about, you know, companies out there that we own, instead of making three to 5% on your investment, they're paying us 30 a year, right? They're trading at three and a half times profits, right? Not all of them, but I mean, it, it's a complete inverse. But when you look at this market, to me, it is the inverse of that Tina scenario. You've got stocks with revenues and profits at least stalling out, most going down. I think profits by the end of this year are going to be right about flat, I think you're slightly positive year over year now, but not on an inflation-adjusted basis, right? Inflation-adjusted basis on a real basis, process, profits are down, okay? Not a ton. They're not caving. But, but when, and then you've got stocks at these crazy premiums with these interest rates. It just doesn't make any sense. And, and I, you know, when people are like, well, I'm buying stocks because rates are going to go down. You're like, well, why are rates going to go down? You're like, well, because the economic data is going to get real bad. You're like, okay, so you want to own stocks, right? So, the, and that's really what's happening here, guys. So, going into this, going into this week, based on the news and the announcements, we had job numbers coming out, we had a Fed meeting coming out, and the market was at those very critical levels, right? It fell and slightly went through. Remember, we were saying last week, look, you're below those key levels, but not big enough to where you go. Sometimes you pull up charts of the market, guys, and you're like, that's death. Get me out of there, right? Just based off the way it looks. And I know it sounds like witchcraft and voodoo. It's not. We were right there. Like if it went meaningfully lower, the market dropped another 2 or 3%, you'd have been like, okay, get out, right? This is looking really crashy, okay? Now you're back above that level. And going into this week, because we were right on that level, we said, okay, look, here's the deal. I think that we're at that inverse stage of this thing right now. Meaning if you get another strong jobs report that put, cause the fed basically kicked this party off on Wednesday. Effectively, if you look through the data, it, Chase and I listened to it several times. It, we think that he was all but taking that, that last rate hike off the table and that got the markets really ripping on Wednesday. Okay. Then Janet Yellen came out 
and said, we're not going to issue as many long-end bonds as people thought, which kind of took the pressure off the long bond, the 10-year treasury. Long-end rates started coming down. That fed fuel into the fire. And then this morning, you got the, the, the triple whammy which was the weak jobs report. Now you're probably listening to me right now going, Zach, why would a weak jobs report make the stock market rally like this? Because it fits the soft landing narrative. Look, you guys know our thoughts on this. I think it's, I think it's stupid. Okay. I think it's silly. I think it's childlike. I could end up looking like an idiot because it's, there's the potential that I'm wrong too. I just think it's ridiculous to think that you can jack rates this high. And I think in six months to 12 months time, people will look back and go, God, that was so dumb. How did anybody think you wouldn't have these problems if you jacked rates this high? But that to me is the real issue with the bull market thesis, right? Which is if, if, if the data gets bad enough for really aggressive cuts to the Fed, it's going to be because bad things are happening. But in the meantime, like I was saying, we said, and I, I was tweeting last night and we were talking about it in the dots. If you get a really hot jobs report today, the market probably would have gotten slaughtered. Rates would have popped back up. You'd have started pricing back in that Fed rate hike that Powell effectively took off the table this week. And it would have been a bloodletting. Conversely, we said, if you get a weak jobs report, that's going to pour gasoline on this thing and this thing could rip. Where do we go from here? I don't know. Weird thing about this action that we saw, and I say today, I record the show on Friday. Weird thing today is... We got to see the breadth is really strong, meaning a lot of things are, are rallying. It's not just those top seven stocks, which has driven the market the entire year. So, so, but some things are rallying. It looks to me like the market is beginning to sniff out recession. And, and again, you're going to look at it and go, look at how much it's up. I, a lot of, I, the other thing about this is I think a lot of people, especially on the institutional, right, professional side of this had a similar thought to us coming in this week. And because of that, a lot of people were short. Now, thank God we pivoted the other way. We actually lightened up on our hedges because we caught the majority of this downdraft. Uh, as a matter of fact, is that whole market pullback, I think our value fund went up 2% and the market was down 11. And so thank God we pulled back on our hedges, but this is what we were afraid of. We were afraid of the, a rip to the other side because, and why? Because of the jobs report, we thought jobs would come in soft and we thought they'd come in soft because you're starting to see earnings expectations come down. Remember that really hot GDP that I was telling you, right? We had 4.9. Everybody was celebrating that. Um, now it's a noisy number. We got to see the way this, this plays out, but the Atlanta fed posts basically like a real time GDP estimate where it's reading real information from the economy in real time and, and kicking out a constant, I don't know how often they publish it once a week or whatever, maybe it's even daily, but, but it's reading economic data and giving up to date live estimates for GDP growth. They've right now got GDP growth down at 1.1% for the fourth quarter. So a massive slowdown so far. Now, again, that month, that, that number can move, but remember how we were saying that everybody's looking at that strong GDP print and, and inferring the wrong thing from it, from it. Uh, that's, this is an example. We're already seeing a softer fourth quarter. Now, again, we'll see it play out. It could heat up on the back end. Nobody knows these things for sure. But what I was saying is this is normal. The market is beginning to price in that soft landing, right? And, and if we are right about this, that gives you a pop in the market. And then usually it kind of cools down a little bit, right? Now, based on the fact that we're at the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we took out this year's highs. I, I, I wouldn't be, again, why? You're like, well, Zach, earnings and value. I know, I know, but look, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter, right? Fundamentals don't matter right now. I'm not telling you to go out and buy this stuff. I'm just saying the market doesn't care. The other thing I was getting to is, like I said, a lot of this is just short covering too. And you can tell because the things like ARC, right? ARKK with all the garbage stocks she's got in there. Things like that are ripping. Like yesterday, it was up almost 10%. Today, I think it was up another six or something like that. And it was really funny because all of her funds, right? She's got the innovation fund, the medical fund. They were all up like the same amount, completely different stocks, but they're all up like the exact same amount. So, and I think, like I said, I think retail is excited because they see the market going up and they want to jump on it again. Um, but, but a lot of this is still short covering. So we got to see some follow through, but I will say, if you look at this tape and you look at the stuff that we're talking about, 
Um, seasonality being really strong. I, I do think that you've got the, I do think you've got the ingredients for a big, big rip here, uh, to the end of the year. And like I said, you know, it's clear, we've talked a lot about valuations and until they matter, they don't. Right. Um, so let's see the other reason why we look at, um, why we're really thinking that this recession is really starting here. Remember the big thing that everybody was crowing about, we told you like, this is always kind of the last leg here is services, right? So think of hospitality, leisure, all that services. I, I, or, uh, <clears throat> ISM came in, which is the survey, looking at the services numbers, trying to give us an idea what that component of the economy looks like. Uh, services were down and it missed expectations. It wasn't devastating. It wasn't awful, but a clear sign shift. I mean, a break from the trend, certainly. Now, is it the big break? We think it is. We think it's the beginning of it going down, but we'll have to wait and see. But it's interesting that that was backed up by the jobs report. We were expecting 182,000 new jobs, got 150. Unemployment rate ticked up again to 3.9. So the other one, Apple earnings, right? Um, not horrible, again, but it's just I, just everywhere you look, fundamentally, even companies, quote unquote, reporting good earnings. This is the other thing, guys. In environments like this, you need to be really careful. You're going to see a lot of, oh, that stock's up because it beat. Okay, it beat expectations. A lot of these stocks are rallying like heck, and you see people excited about it, and they're like, oh, this is sick. And you look at them and go, do you realize that earnings are down 15% year over year? <laughs> so you remember, beating does not necessarily mean things are going well. It means you beat the expectations. And who sets those expectations? Well, analysts do, but largely it's guidance offered by the, by the company, right? So they have a lot to say in what that guidance is. And these guys aren't stupid, right? So they always give themselves a bar that they can jump over and usually quite easily. So you just got to look at the quality of those earnings. You got to look at if they're actually growing or not. Um, uh, multifamily home starts, okay? Permitting for multifamily homes has hit a wall, Right? And I'm really intrigued because I think we, I, I, I'm really curious to how this plays out because usually the path into recession is very predictable and you look back through it, it's, it, it, it usually takes similar time spans, you know, from when things start to slow down to recession, usually year, year and a half kind of period, you kind of see similar signs. This is interesting to me because this is not driven by typical economic cycles, right? You're trying to cool down an artificial cycle that was caused by unprecedented fiscal stimulus resulting from the COVID deal, right? And then on the back of it, we're going into the most aggressive, we've gone into the most aggressive hiking cycle in history. And so that's kind of an, so one of my theories is because of the, water on water off nature of the way stimulus was applied, how violently and suddenly it was uh, uh, supplied. And then on a relative, how violently and suddenly it was contracted. Um, I have a theory that I think that this thing, when we hit recession again, I don't think it's going to be super deep, but I think it's going to be much more sudden and much more quick than most people are thinking. Now we'll see. I, I that's a very intriguing part to me just because you know, that's the finance nerd in me, right? These are unprecedented times, which we talk all, all the time about. And one of the reasons we do the dots on a daily basis is to document this and to record it and try to pe keep people up to, uh, up to speed. So, so far, it looks like my theory is on, does, it's not confirmed yet, but so far, this is kind of how you'd expect it to start. Um, and then, you know, if you're short here or if you're, you know, what I, I would just encourage you to get out of the way, okay? Because I, I just don't know what... Again, in a market that's not based on fundamentals, you know, and I'll say it again, I just have seen so many people get hurt on this. You know, don't go try to bet against a market that's, you know, for fundamental reasons, that's not trading on fundamentals, right? Wait till it starts. And I don't think you're going to have to wait a whole long, wait, wait a whole long time. So um, anyway, on the market update side, that's really it. I mean, I haven't seen anything that's really blown my mind. Um you know, I think you've seen some earnings come in better than expected. I think overall earnings are a little bit better than expected. But here's the other thing I think is a tell, telltale sign, too. Go look at how relatively weak those earnings were, 
Okay. And then remember that's in a 4.9% GDP print. That's another thing telling you like, that's why I just cannot buy the acceleration of profits. And what have we been telling you guys? You got all these analysts out there with those big profit ramps. Guess what's happened? Those, uh, those profit estimates, those earnings estimates for next year have been pulled back now three weeks in a row. I, I, I really believe the slowdown is upon us. I really believe I'm looking at the market, the way it's acting. It, 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 it's all lining up in my eyes. And here's the thing. It, it, look, it's an opportunity. I think this whole year has been an amazing opportunity for a lot of investors, right? It's given you another chance to, and again, look, I, I, I'm not on here predicting doom and gloom and everything's going to blow up. Could that happen? Yeah. I mean, when you look at the geopolitical imbalances out there, guys, I mean, let's be honest. You look at the world today, nothing is priced for this. If you look at prices, markets, real estate, everything, just everything's going amazing. That's not the case. And in an environment like that, you, I think you do have to be caught, like I said, especially with the geopolitical risk. The other thing that we're looking is economic data coming out of China and Asia continues to be very weak, looks recessionary. Europe appears to be in a giant recession. When I say giant, I don't mean the size of the recession. I just mean pretty much every Eurozone country looks to be in recession. Um, manufacturing data continues to weaken, which is kind of crazy because we thought you'd see a bump just because it had been hammered so hard. But just none of this is priced in. And so I think you're getting an opportunity to rework that portfolio. Make sure that you've got exposure to things that work in an inflationary environment. Make sure that you've got plenty of risk protection, right? Because if anything, we know, look, I, the, next, I, I just, the next year at least is going to be a wild ride. And I think that the, the types of outcomes you're looking are so crazy diverse and if people don't see that, I'm not sure what they're looking at. But what, when you look at an environment like this, what does it tell you? Manage risk. Manage risk. We need to be paid for the risk that we're taking. We need to make sure we're not taking too much. And in the next segment, we come back from break. I want to talk about the ways that we can make money, the ways that we can benefit from all this without taking stupid risks. Okay? Because there are, like I was saying, there's tons of opportunities out there. It really is. It's, it's a rich field. There's plenty of targets. You just got to know where to look and they're not in the normal spots, but it really is all about managing risk. You've got a portfolio again, based on the way indexes work and mutual funds work because they track the indexes. You got a portfolio that is still designed to work in a low growth, low inflation environment. And that ain't the reality we live in anymore, guys. The environment is completely shifted. Don't you think your portfolio should? Okay. And if you do, We've got a roadshow coming up next week, free of charge. We walk you through our risk management process. We walk you through our bond replacement strategies. We show you how we lower your risk, lower your fees, while simultaneously increasing your upside. Go to bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. Thing lasts for about 45 minutes, uh, 35, 45 minutes. We do a Q&A session afterwards. It doesn't obligate you to anything. Like I said, it is free of charge. We only, I think we still, do we still only have 100 slots? Anyway, uh, we used to only have 100 slots. I think we might have gotten rid of that limit. But anyway, there aren't unlimited spots. So sign up. That'll be next week. Uh, what is that? That's next Wednesday, I believe. Anyway, I'll give you the dates when we come back. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio uh, radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. If you're retired ahead of there's your portfolio position for a successful retirement? With the state of the economy, risk management has never been more important. Join Bulwark Capital Zach Abraham for his final live webinar of the year, Thursday, November 16th, to learn how their risk management strategy and active management could potentially lower portfolio volatility for you. Todd, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar breaks down the retirement planning process, which is especially important during the threat of a recession, uncertain interest rates, and increasing market volatility. Don't just ride it out. We actively manage every portfolio looking for opportunities to lower risk, lower cost, and give you as much upside as possible. 
Learn about Bulwark's risk management strategy and performance Thursday, November 16th at 3 p.m. Pacific. It's free, but space is limited. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com. That's knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Check Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Okay, so before we get to this really quick, I want to give you guys the dates. Thursday, November 16th. So not, no, that's not next week. It's a week after. Thursday, November 16th at 3 p.m. is when we're doing our digital roadshow. Again, four, it's about a 45-minute presentation. We walk you through everything we do, how we do it, how we drastically lower your fees, drastically lower your risk, all while increasing your upside. And I want to hammer on that too, because there's still a lot of people out there that are scared to death. There are still a lot of people out there that are scared to death about the political nature or political situations in our country, the fiscal situations, the debt situations. Okay. But at the same time, you're staring down inflation, right? What does that mean? It means that fixed income, even though it's paying you 5% right now, chances are you, you need, you can't just rely on that alone because if, and when inflation ramps again, we all just saw what happened to bonds. And depending on how long, and you know, go back and look at, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but what I'm saying is part of risk management is looking at worst, you know, best potential outcomes, worst potential outcomes. I tell our clients all the time, look, we're not going to make the best decision all the time. We're not going to hit a home run every time up to bat, but here's the thing. We're also not going to take big hits, right? We will hit some home runs but we're not going to take the big hits. We're not going to get hammered. What does that mean? A lot of times we'll miss out on the best possible solution, but what our miss is, is less growth, right? Certainly way less losses, but less growth. I always tell people all the time, I go, look, if you're a client of ours and you're not happy with us three to four years from now, it's going to be because you didn't think we made you enough money. It's not going to be because we lost half of it. Now, do I hope that's not the case? Yes, obviously I don't want to lose you as clients and I want you to trust our process and stick with us. But think about what that alternative is, right? The other, the other side of it is, Oh wow, we made a bad, bad investment, had a bad guy managing our money and now half of it's gone. Right? We don't need that story. But what I'm saying is the other opportunities out there, you also can't afford. I was having this conversation with a client the other day and I said, listen, I understand what you're saying because he's freaked out. He wanted everything and very, just everything and safe stuff. And I said, look, if we put this amount of money, you need exposure to these stocks. He's like, why? And I go, because they're protection against inflation. Look at how these kinds of stocks performed during the seventies. They went berserk while everything else didn't and actually got killed, right? Because if, if your assets do not grow for 15 years, which the market was flat from 66 to 81, if your assets don't grow for 15 years and inflation over those 15 years averages nine and a half percent you got drilled i mean you're done i mean your your money is it's like a 90 percent loss if not greater than that i think it's probably like 94 or something like it's just ridiculous in terms of the purchasing power of those assets so you need exposure to stocks certain ones but there's so many opportunities out there that I think provide tremendous growth regardless of the economic scenario. Tremendous value at these levels, even historically. And without having to take equity risk, buying ridiculous stocks, trading at ridiculous multiples when you compare them to interest rates. So what I'm saying is even if things rally really hard into the end of the year, we're not going to be loaded up on this stuff because there's plenty of stuff around. It. Our, our two-year treasury fund that we're in is up 1.7% today. Two-year treasuries. So my point is, is you don't have to take that crazy risk, right? Like for instance, why are the treasuries rallying? Cause interest rates are down. It, once again, that means I can buy the bonds, get paid on a day like today. They're up as much, they're up more than the market. Another one we're looking at AAA rated mortgages. People are like, you want to buy mortgages? Yes. Why? Cause nobody wants them. We actually bought a, a, a REIT the other day a publicly traded REIT with AAA rated uh, mortgages in it. <clears throat> and um, it had been beaten up so bad, it is paying us a 20% dividend. 
Actually, we bought it a little bit after that pop. I think it's paying us 14%. Triple A rated mortgages. Now, that thing's already jumped up 5 or 6% since we bought it. But even if it doesn't jump up, I'm not going to be too upset taking off 13%. The other thing is it's really easy to hedge. What do I mean by that? <laughs> well, as time goes on, you receive those. You know, For us, that, that line is 13% on the year. Why? Because that's the amount of income we're getting paid, right? We're not, I'm not saying we'll sell it there. But I'm just saying there's things like this. Rate, it, rates are going to go down next year. They have to. Which means those AAA mortgages are going up. And then you go look at the credit quality of those AAA rate mortgages, and they're, it's insane. Credit quality is outstanding. They've got tons of equity on them, right? They, virtually no delinquencies. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. That stuff's going to rally. I still think that you've got massive opportunities in energy. I will say this, though. Need to be a little bit uh, careful on the energy front. Oil's looking a little dicey here. Dude, dicey to the point where I want to sell it and get rid of it? No. Because the other thing, the nice thing I like about uh, oil right now is based on what's going on in the Middle East, oil's like being long volatility here, right? If something goes crazy, oil could rip and rip it in a hurry. Now, if oil does look weak, which it does, looks like it could go down and test 75 at the very least. I'm not saying it will. Who knows? I mean, oil's like a wild animal. But just looking at the chart, I don't, I don't think it looks like it's about ready to run away from you to the upside. Does that mean we're dumping our oil stocks? No. Why? Because they're too cheap. And they're paying us fat dividends. And I'm willing to take, I'm willing to take some waves over the bow to keep to, to hold on to those things because I th- I think you get too cute in these environments and you end up just costing yourself money. You know, I I, I when you're buying a cl- uh, company with a crystal, you know, a, just a beautiful pristine balance sheet, paying a four and a half five percent dividend, um, and and you bought it at you know four times earnings, I, I think you can get too cute being worried about short term stock swings. You know, just sit there and you just bought a cash machine, man. Let's just set it, sit it there in the corner and let it do its thing. But there is tons of stuff. And, and that's why I'm pounding on the table right now saying, listen, why am I telling you this market is overpriced? I laid it out, right? Remember, stocks are supposed to pay us more because they are more risky. Right now, we can make substantially more owning treasuries than we can a lot of these most popular stocks. And everybody's flying blind on it. Well, you just got to own them. You just got to own them. And I didn't say they're bad companies. I just think you're going to get opportunity. If you really like them, great. I think you're going to get great opportunities to own them ahead of time. And then furthermore, I look out at the world. We think about China. I'm not sitting here telling you Xi Jinping's about ready to invade Taiwan. I don't think he is. Could he? Sure. And, And that's one of the things that... You know, you look out at the world today, right? Potentially bad outcomes. And when, when I say I don't see an 0809 scenario happening, I, you're never going to hear me say it's not possible. I don't see the same imbalances. I don't see as much fraud or imbalance in such a, you know, mainstay of, of you know, American life, like the home, right? I mean, it's, that was a really, you know, when home values and mortgage fraud and everything, the, the core of the U.S. You know, family and economy, basically. You know, when the rot is there, of course, it's going to be a really bad storm. And I, I, I don't see those imbalances. What I do see, though, is a lot of really bad, de- lot, a lot of bad debt. I think banks are going to be up against it for a long time. I think people have funded a lot of stupid things. I think that you're going to see write downs for a long time. I think that it's going to look like private equity is cleaning out its closet for years. I, I just see a lot of trouble out there. In the meantime, I look over and look at the government deficit scenario. That's going to continue to balloon. Everything is screaming to me inflation. I look at everybody's portfolio and it's still screaming deflation. It's still dominated by the tech era that we just came out of. And like I said, I own some. I, I get it. I'm not saying to dump it all. What I'm saying, though, is... I mean, if you're not, if you didn't get the memo, right, that things are switching economically at the very least, that you need to have a portfolio that's much more durable to shocks and bouts of volatility, I don't know what to tell you. But I mean, you know, (laughs) you know, Palantir and ARC and all the, it ain't going to get you done. That's not what works in these environments. And I'll just tell you on a fundamental basis, when you look at that, when you go through and you sit there and go, wait a second. Earn, you know, earnings yield on Apple is what, three and a half percent, three and a quarter percent. 
You want me to do that when I can get a guaranteed five from that bond? And, and that's not the way people look at it, guys. I know, but it, they should. It's one of the reasons that we have a bubble. People quit looking at these things like they're companies. Right? When do you want to buy Apple? Or any company for my, when, if I'm going to take economic risk and market risk and things to own a company, if I can make five in a treasury, I want that thing at least making eight to nine in this environment, probably higher. Right? Because if I'm getting paid that much as an owner of a business, right? If I'm making that much in profit, that profit might decline a little bit, but that's a big enough pad, right? If, I, if I'm getting paid a 10% earnings yield on a stock, and let's say that drops 20% in the next economic slowdown, as the owner of that company, I'm still getting more than I would owning the, the, owning the treasury. Now, the value, the, the interim value of that company should go down a little bit because the profit's falling, but I'm still getting paid. Right? I'm still getting my, my 7.5% basically. But now you want to show me this economic picture and you want me to p- belly up to the bar and pay outrageous prices on these companies. And if I pay the price, I've got a 25 to 3.5% earnings yield when I can go get a two-year treasury paying me a guaranteed risk-free five? Why would you do that? At, at, at what appears to be the tail end of the longest economic cycle and longest bull market in U.S. history? And, and the reason people are doing it, guys, is because it's worked so long. And that's why I was saying, don't be sucked into this. And I think that this market could easily run into the end of the year. But this is just mechanical, right? This is just the market going, oh, great. The, the, the economy's slowing down, right? And just think of how ridiculous it sounds, but it's just where we're at. Well, because when the economy slows down, it you know means rates are going to go down. Yeah, and it usually means recession, <laughs> Right? But like I said, there's plenty of ways to ride this without taking that stock risk. You know, and that's one of the things I love about the whole mortgage play, like I was telling you. And I'm not going to tell you exactly how we're playing because I don't want to be accused of giving financial advice on the radio. But look, I think that they're going to be great. I think the tops are effectively in on rates. And how, why do I say that? Because the housing market is absolutely at stall speed. Multifamily homes uh, permits have just come to a screeching halt. So either nobody's going to build any new more homes in this, in this economy or country or rates have to come down. So they will come down. But what I'm saying, so in that environment, even if rates come down and even if there is a recession, I, those mortgages win regardless, right? Because they're just influenced by rates. So whether you have a soft landing and the market continues to rally or you have a recession, the mortgage play is going to work either way. The stocks won't. And so I just, on a fundamental level, I think there's better things to own. I think on a fundamental level, everybody is still so stock crazy because again, I think it's the greatest financial bubble of our lifetime. And I, they're not paying attention to me, to all these that where you're like sitting there going, wait a second, man, this is going to make just as much, if not more, if the market continues to run and I'm not taking any risk and it's paying me five, 6% to own it. That other one, like I said, is paying us 13 triple a rated quality right so this is part of risk management right I, I i can actually get things that should perform like that that are performing like that and take on none of the risk buy it at substantially cheaper prices get paid while i wait for it to appreciate and better yet like i said i think those things are going to win regardless Right. Rates have to come down one way or the other. And whether it is the soft landing, like I said, or whether it's a recession, either way, those babies are going up in price and they're going to pay us fat dividends and interest while we sit there and wait. Same with the energy place. I just think there's, there's just a lot of other things that we can do other than take that kind of equity risk. Now, nobody's really worried about it right now. They will be. They will be. It's all happening. It's all lining up. It's taking longer than we thought. I will admit that. But it's all lining up. We, you're going to have to go through this good news is bad news deal. But look at those earnings estimates starting to come down. Right? We've been telling you that for the last six months, right? These earnings estimates are nuts. Well, finally, they're starting. And that's the other thing. I, it's one of the reasons I'm not all sold on this year-end rally thing. First of all, way too many people are. And when I've got that many people saying the same thing, I'm always going to be a little cautious. But the other thing is, is if you look at where interest rates are and you look at earnings estimates coming down, the market's not, you know, 
I just think it's got more weight on it to try to push up than it did earlier in the year. It's got higher interest rates and slowing economic data. And in most cases, right, slowing earnings and slowing, right, the, the fundamentals are slowing. So for these things to really rally strong into the end of the year, you've got to be talking about this market getting to the most expensive point of the entire cycle because earnings have flattened out certainly on an adjusted basis. And then you look at the moving rates. I, again, nothing would surprise me on this tape, but I, I don't think that that bull rally wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think that bull rally is nearly as certain as, as a lot of other people are saying. So anyway, um, okay. I'm going to, I'm well, I'm going to air a little bit of this uh, radio or this interview, excuse me, uh, that we did with a guy by the name of Rudy Havenstein. Um, it's actually not his real name. It's a fake name on Twitter. He's kind of the, he's, we, we refer to him as the godfather of financial Twitter. Anyway, he's not a finance professional, but he's an incredibly educated investor. And one of the reasons I want to have him on is because he's not a financial uh, professional, right? And he sees things through more of a nuanced, you know, retail lens. And I think he's brilliant. I think he's hilarious. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. I've been trying to get him on for years and finally convinced him to come on. So uh, you're going to enjoy that. We'll, we'll, we'll air a little bit of that, probably five, six, seven minutes of that. And then if you hear that, we're not cutting it off. We're not sending you a paywall. We just only have so many, so much time on the radio. So you can go to our website or knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com, or you can just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Just type in Know Your Risk Radio uh, Google know your risk radio podcast, not hard to find. You can find all the interviews. Like I said, you're not going to want to miss the one we did with the guys from the big short last week. Super interesting. Um, anyway, but that kind of ties us up, uh, ties us up for this week. I think next week's going to tell us a lot. I think next week we'll confirm if this baby's got real legs or if it's going to peter out a little bit, we're going to have to see the way it goes. So Anyway, oh, the other thing, too, go to the website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. Actually, I think, the, I think they still have it on Know Your Risk, but bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. Right when you go to our website, you'll get an, uh, a pop-up box to register for that, uh, that webinar we've got going on the 16th, Thursday, November 16th at 3 p.m. Again, it's free of charge, about 45 minutes long. Walk you through our process, show you exactly how we lower risk, lower fees while simultaneously increasing the upside. Man, that's the other thing to talk about, the bond replacement strategy. You should look at what some of these fixed indexed annuity contracts are paying out. There's one income one right now offered by Nationwide. Now, it depends on your age, but I think if you're over 60, we are doing the numbers. You put money into this annuity. And, and again, this isn't appropriate for everybody. Like there's actually not, it's not appropriate for most people, quite honestly. But just think, you put your money in, let it sit for two to three years. And it, again, it depends on your age. But after just letting it sit for two to three years, it is paying you 10% of your original investment, and that payment is guaranteed for life. Nine, nine to 10. I, don't quote me. I was, I was looking at a couple of illustrations. The product just came out. I was just going over it. The other thing, too, because of higher interest rates, these fixed index annuities, which have no fee, insured against loss, right? They track the market. They're giving you like three times as much market exposure as they were you know, three, three four years ago when interest rates were so low. So again, add that to the list of other things to do. Educate yourself. Come listen to that webinar and realize, look, there's a lot of different ways where we can win either way, but we're not betting on ridiculously priced stuff whose momentum is going down despite the fact people are bidding up at stock price. So go to the website or give us a call 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Stay, stay with us for the last few, for a few minutes of that, for the few minutes of that uh, interview that we've got coming up. And until then, we'll see you next week. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. If you're retired ahead of there, is your portfolio positioned for a successful retirement? With the state of the economy, risk management has never been more important. Join Bulwark Capital Zach Abraham for his final live webinar of the year, Thursday, November 16th, to learn how their risk management strategy and active management could potentially lower portfolio volatility for you. Todd, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar breaks down the retirement planning process, which is especially important during the threat of a recession, uncertain interest rates, and increasing market volatility. 
don't just ride it out. We actively manage every portfolio looking for opportunities to lower risk, lower cost, and give you as much upside as possible. Learn about Bulwark's risk management strategy and performance Thursday, November 16th at 3 p.m. Pacific. It's free, but space is limited. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com. That's knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for for another segment, another of my favorite parts of the show. It is my favorite part of the show, uh, the interview. And this is a special one. I've been wanting to get this guy on for a long time. Um, probably asked him more than, I don't know, probably at least three, three, five, six times, something like that, to come on. And finally was able to get him to to agree to come on here. And he is a, a little bit different guest in the sense that um, first he is anonymous. So we're we're gonna we're gonna go by his uh, his anonymous name, but he is known affectionately as the uh, the godfather of FinTwit or financial Twitter. And um, he is the mythical character, Rudy Havenstein, who who which is a name uh, that he took from the head of the Reichsbank uh, back in pre-World War II that, that really managed their fiscal situation beautifully, right? Just ran them into the Weimar Republic. But without further ado, uh, long time coming. Thrilled to have him here, Mr. Rudy Havenstein. Rudy, I'm, I'm, I cannot tell you how long I've been looking forward to having, uh, having this discussion and just thrilled to have you on the show with us. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. And uh I wasn't avoiding you. I just wasn't doing podcasts for many for ten years. So. Oh yeah, no. Well, uh, I, 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 I didn't take. I didn't take it bad. If yeah. you're gonna, no, if, no, you're no. Gonna, if you're going to turn down Grant Williams, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not insulted if I if, if if I get put on the side either. But uh, thrilled yeah, to have. I you always here. promised him he was first. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I noticed you remember when you did that. Uh, I, I I think it was probably the first podcast I listened to of yours, and you did. You were talking about Boeing. You know, remember a few yep, years ago, yep. right before Boeing, Boeing blew up. And I know some guy, Boeing guys and uh, the, the stories they had corroborated, you know, what you were hearing. And then ever since, it's just been kind of a, you know, rolling disaster. Yeah. Well, and you and I were united. Um, well, I mean, I, 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 I love the stuff you put out, but I feel like you and I were sort of united by that whole enemy of your enemy is your friend kind of thing. Um, yeah. Meaning I, I think you and I, uh, look at the Fed through a very similar lens. And um, for those of you that are expecting just both of us get us together and we're going to rip on the Fed, uh, I'm sure we'll touch on that. But we're, we're going to try to stay focused on other things because, um, sure. again, I think those are that, that's a yeah, you and I could probably sit in a corner and talk about that for an entire day. Um, yeah. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Because it, it's unique in terms of, you know, when I look at um, – your position or station, if you will, in financial Twitter, in that in that group of folks we've affectionately referred to as FinTwit, um, you're different in the sense that you're, you're a very astute, educated, experienced investor, but you do not do this professionally. Give, give us a little bit about your background and how you got here uh, in terms of, you know, I mean, we can get into the Fed and all that other kind of stuff, but in terms of you know your education as an investor, um, yeah, just kind of the kind of the backstory. Yeah, I always had an interest in uh, the stock market. Uh, I from an, you know, I started working, you know, delivering papers and stuff like that at fifth grade, I think, and, and sixth grade, and I uh, always had you know a little spending money. I remember when I had twenty dollars, you know, from the paper route, and I thought twenty dollars was like you know nowadays that would be like you know, having a few hundred dollars or something for a little kid. It was a lot of money back then. And, and so I always had an interest. And then when I got, you know, 18 or whatever it was to open an account, um, you know, like I was telling you earlier, I, I had a, a friend that was a broker, brand new, you know, young guy and, uh, they, he just pushed their inventory. So I lost, you know, and I learned that, you know, it's best if I, at least for me to do all my own research and investing and that way over the years, um, I can blame myself if I lose money and I can say, okay, good job if I made money. So I like that. And so I've never used any sort of money manager. Um, and a lot of the guys that I know and follow me and I follow them are, are money managers. I think I'd be a bad money manager for other people because I, um, uh, 
you know, I do things that you're not supposed to do. Like I'll buy, if I really like something, I'll, I'll buy more when it goes down, you know, which I break all <laughs> sorts of cart cardinal rules. And I'm sure I'd have people, no one would have money with me. They'd all pull it out and I wouldn't blame them. But, but I, I have a long view. I think, you know, I was telling you, you had Vinny and Porter on the other day and they were, you know, they're not in the, in the market everyday day trading, you know, they're more long-term investors. And he distinguished like a lot of the smart guys do between um, investing and, and speculating. And I do both, but I have, I mostly invest. I don't, you know, I'm not out there day trading or anything. And, um, I came from a middle-class background. Dad was a teacher and, um, mom took care of kids. And so I have a very strong affinity with, um, growing up like that during period of inflate high inflation and what it does to people and families. And, um, so that's why I, you know, my main, other than just having fun, my main reason was trying to educate people about, you know, the dangers of, I guess, of fiat money. I mean, uh, and, uh, that's why I picked the character I picked because he's a, you know, I love that whole period that, that world war post-world war one period. But, um, I think, you know, it led to, uh, their profligacy and it was a different situation. You had a war and you had reparations, you know, and all that, but really they ended up just trying to solve everything by printing money. And I think that led, I think the, I mean, I've point, I've argued a number of times that I think that the hyperinflation of Germany, uh, directly led to Hitler. Oh um, yeah. The push. The beer hall pushed us in 23 and he came to power in 33 at the very beginning of the depression. So I think it destroyed the morality of the nation. I have a whole thread of quotes on that. And I'm not comparing that to the United States. I've said years ago, you know, people, how are you calling for inflation? No, I'm not calling for inflation. I'm just saying we, any nation that just starts monetizing their debt has to be careful. I mean, German, Germany was a major industrial nation. And sure, it was. Holiday. All right, guys, due to time constraints, we got to cut the interview off right there. But as always, pretty much every podcast engine out there has it. So just you can just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. You can hear the rest of the interview if you want to know what's coming up. Have a phenomenal weekend and we'll see you next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.